0: you know, started to learn about balance sheets and cash flow statements and income statements and putting together models and analyzing companies. And that has led me to on a, on a 25 year journey in analyzing companies and building portfolios in, in one way or another. Focus on companies that are innovating, um, but that are also at the, at the beginning edges of this new product cycle. You know, if you bought the market on the worst day before the financial crisis in 2007, before it really hit 2008, you're the worst investor you bought at the peak the next year the thing just go you're up like 300 today
1: hi my name is jason rasnick the ceo of benzinga and welcome to the raz report as always before we kick things off i want to quickly tell you about what benzinga is before i started benzinga in 2010 there were very few places to get real-time information on financial markets i thought it was unfair that wall street had access to this information before the average joe investor so i created benzinga to level the playing field for you, the retail investor. Benzinga is for the people and by the people. Now let's dive into the show. All right, welcome to this edition of the Raz Report. I'm excited and looking to learn from Terry Gardner, investment advisor, portfolio strategist at CJ Lawrence. Terry, thank you for coming on the RAS Report today.
0: Great to be here, Jason. Thanks for inviting me.
1: Thank you. So Terry manages a lot of money, has a lot of different strategies. You can see more about CJ Lawrence at CJ where Terry works. But I just want to jump right into it. We were we were talking stocks and we'll, we'll, this will go over the place. We'll talk about your career, but I'm just going to skip this one and start with a strategy question. Um, you were talking about innovation, uh, investing in innovation. What do you mean by that?
0: Yeah, so we're so, by the way, we invest in individual stocks and bonds, so um, a lot of managers focus on specific ETFs and funds, we dig deep into the specific securities. And so what gets us excited, um, in terms of investing is investing in growth, and in innovation. And what we have found, Jason, is that there's an opportunity to buy innovation at a reasonable price. We call it IRP, innovation at a reasonable price. ERP investing. And the benefit of ERP investing is that you invest in companies that are driving innovation, driving disruption, but trade at a reasonable, you know, stock multiple, cash flow multiple, have strong balance sheets. And that's different from past cycles. For instance, the nifty-fifty era back in the 1960s, those stocks were trading at 60, 70, 80 times earnings on the back of earnings that were considered premium and predictable. And that all ended um, in the 1970s with, with the onset of inflation. And then we ushered in another period in the 90s on the back of the internet bubble where companies were receiving these premium, sometimes outlandish valuations based on very sketchy business models, and then that bubble burst. But what's different today is that you can buy companies, and we'll throw out a couple of names and their household names, like a Microsoft, like an Amazon, that are growing their businesses, that trade at a multiple that you can kind of get your arms around. Um, but are driving the innovation or on the cutting edge, whether it's artificial intelligence or cloud computing, they're on the cutting edge of disruption uh, and innovation. So that's the IRP innovation at a reasonable price strategy.
1: Okay. So right now you think there's opportunities with innovation at a reasonable price, because as you define your the letter symbols, and we talked about, you know, GARP, growth at reasonable. So innovation at a reasonable price, does that are, is part
0: of the focus AI? Of course it is, right? And, you know, AI really isn't all that new. We've been talking about AI for a long time. What mm-hmm. it is, um, it's probably the next wave of innovation um, on the back of what was, you know, cloud computing and and Fortune 500 companies moving to the cloud and just compute power, Um There are a number of technological advances or technology advances that we've experienced over the last decade or two. Um, You know, AI is certainly the next one and likely to be transformational. And that's why we're also focused on the back of IRP on on product cycle, not so much market cycle. So you and I haven't talked about the market just yet, but our point is, and what we try to stay focused on and what your listeners should stay focused on is, don't get too wrapped up around where you think the market is. Is it too expensive? Is it not? Focus on companies that are innovating, um, but that are also at the at the beginning edges of this new product cycle, and that's that's the excitement for us around AI and what that's going to bring over the next couple of years.
1: So, when you look at companies on that new product cycle or what have you, what are some of those ones that you highlight? Are they all big ones? I know you mentioned Microsoft earlier. Are they all, like, is it NVIDIAs, or do you have other ones that maybe people aren't talking about?
0: So they, they are the big ones, for sure. They're the leaders, right? And and you can't ignore them, and, even and, though and, they're... And, connected- by, and by the way,
1: I'm not saying those yeah. are bad, because, like, yeah. I worked for a financial advisor many years ago, and this mm-hmm. was going back 25 years ago, and I remember they had a list of the Disney's apples, and, like, just, like you know companies that are stable like you know well-known american companies and you know when you buy those baskets if you bought if I bought them 25 years ago and kept them you're doing really well right so i'm just you cool. know i want to yep. uh, yeah so but continue
0: point, point point well taken and and some will say look that's a crowded trade okay it's a crowded trade but it but they're the best companies in the world right so right so don't ignore them right someone once told me don't Don't cut your dandelions and water. Don't don't water your dandelions and cut your flowers. Right. So those are the flowers, you know, keep watering them. And certainly, as to your point, you know, look outside that sphere a little bit outside of the Magnificent Seven. And there are companies, but it's important to kind of break AI into uh, kind of two components, one being infrastructure another being apps right and there'll be there'll be participants in the ecosystem around uh, those categories and we would consider even like an oracle to be in in the infrastructure side of the equation but there's a couple of companies that that utilize ai today to drive their business. Certainly Meta would be one and it's you know widely known but people are pretty focused on threads because that's kind of exciting what they're doing in reels but remember when Meta got in trouble they got in trouble because they were utilizing personal data and and the push from the regulators was stop using everyone's data. So Meta started to really generate AI or to advance AI to generate new recommendations for their for their market participants so that we think they're kind of the the closet AI leader. Um, But even companies like Intuit, right? I-N-T-U, the symbol. Intuit's an interesting name, right? Everyone knows TurboTax and and Credit Karma and uh, MailChimp are some of their brands. They use a lot of AI to generate leads, to generate business opportunities, to generate Business steps and actions to be taken by small businesses. So there's a user of AI that probably is doesn't fit within that magnificent seven AI sphere. Another one, which has kind of actually stumbled today or yesterday on, on earnings report, is, is Rockwell Automation, right? So Rockwell, and they, they stumbled because they didn't meet expectations because they aren't actually able. Uh, to procure enough raw materials and products to to, to stay up with, with the demand in their business. But Rockwell develops um, machines and devices in the virtual world that can then be put to use in the real world. So if you and I are building a factory and we want to know what is the type of machine we need to build our new sneaker, Rockwell Automation will come in and help design that. Based on friction points and mathematics and physics in the virtual world using AI, before actually even creating a prototype physically. So that's pretty interesting in, in our perspective. How long have they been like? Is Rockwell one you've been following for a while? We've 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 um, we've owned Rockwell for quite a while. Uh, it was much more of an industrial cyclical type company, you know. And and what they have done is really embraced the digital transformation that that artificial intelligence has has afforded them. Yeah. as a quick yeah as a quick example and i won't belabor the point but there was an article in in another paper over the weekend about a, a beauty products company and how they had created a um, how they were on reshoring and onshoring their operations back to the united states they were able to manufacture products simple products Pumps for hand sanitizers and things like that, that that over the last twenty years have all been made in China. they were able to bring that back to the u s because of automation and advances in AI and machinery within u s manufacturing facilities so that 's where we think Rockwell will help drive um, innovation in manufacturing uh, in the coming years
1: so got it and so and so they so they're so their customers can be from big industrials to people creating
0: companies creating consumer products. I, I, you know pro, mostly on the big, larger industrial, they're kind of really process automation, and so again, if you and I were you know producing machine tools or something at scale, large volumes. They could we would employ we would engage with Rockwell to come in and help us retool our facility to maximize efficiencies, maximize automation uh, and compete on a global scale on a cost basis because we're able to make a great product, which they help us design and pull out the friction points and do so at a price point that's competitive to sell in the global markets. So it's a really interesting company.
1: Got it. Got it. Yeah. And I mean, it's definitely um, one that, you know. I hear about it from time to time, but it's not—it's not mainstream. It's not getting nope. the. It's attention. not
0: mainstream, and it's got some detractors, right? Some people don't like, which kind of makes it interesting to us. We want to find the names that maybe are a little bit of a battleground stock, where there's opinions on both sides. Kind of gives you an opportunity to to get it at a reasonable price.
1: Yeah, I mean that's one. So this is one of this. This is what you would one of these things that you would call in, innovation. Um, one of these innovation plays.
0: Innovation at a reasonable price. Absolutely. Innovation.
1: Okay. So you mentioned Oracle. Are there any more that you'd say innovation at a reasonable price?
0: Yeah, look, I mean you can't discount Amazon. And we like to think about Amazon because I made an I put an order online at nine o'clock and hey one o'clock in the afternoon I got a whole big box of toilet paper. So remarkable how quickly they can they can uh, It's unbelievable. It really is, right? but there's so much more to Amazon and that we either know about and some we don't know about and the point that I like to raise to people is they're they're a real innovator not just in just retail and distribution and logistics because they've really done some amazing things there, but they're doing things even beyond cloud compute, right? So they own AWS as yep. their, their cloud compute platform. It's a hugely profitable business. It's growing, it's modular, meaning that it can be utilized by large companies and small companies. Cause you can, it's kind of like a buffet. You can kind of pick off the buffet, what you need and pay for it. Um, yep. But what's interesting to me about, about Amazon is last year in research and development spend total, they spent about seventy-five billion dollars. Okay, that's about six or seven times what Pfizer spent. Right, so they're the leader in R and D spend. So it makes you question what are they What are they doing in the garage that we don't even know about? Right, so that's that's exciting to us when you think about a company that has a huge core business, is an innovator. And isn't stop innovating? They generate a ton of cash flow that they can plow back into their innovation efforts to come up with the new, new, next thing.
1: It's unbelievable if you think of it. It's unbelievable. And I, I get scared. You know, I bought more Amazon. I think it was like below 100. I bought more Amazon, and then it's here, and I'm like, oh, do I want to buy it again? And you know, I, I used to have the thing where I want my my price that I buy the stock at to be, you know, I like seeing the percentage gain, you know, and sure. so. A long time ago I just got lucky and bought Tesla when I was in a Tesla 9 years ago or something and I bought it and I bought a small amount and it turned into a decent amount but I never bought more in the beginning because I loved seeing the percentage gains so when I opened another brokerage account then I bought more which is really dumb it's not about your percentage gain it's about you know your absolute earnings but you mean know, people look at your account and they see the percentage gain like oh there is your percentage gain you know That's and yeah. so but it was but that's you know the I'm bringing that story up just because Amazon, you know, like what are they doing in that garage? What are they doing? And you don't we don't even really know it yet, right? I mean, to your Absolutely. point. So yep. that that's interesting. Now, when you do, you beyond the innovation, but do you do you think there's an ideal portfolio these days? Like, what is the best like percentages? Like, I know back in the day you have bonds, you know, checking. I'm not bonds. Bonds, equities, like 60-40, they would say. Is there? Mm-hmm. Do you think this has changed, or where do you think this is at these days?
0: Yeah, I think it's changed. Um, I think the fact that you can get four and a half to five and a quarter percent in a money market uh, is pretty intriguing, right? We haven't yeah. had that in a in a decade. The fact that you can get five and a half to six percent on short term government paper, mm-hmm. treasury bills, and bonds. Is pretty intriguing, right? There's a risk-free rate. If you're going to give me five and a half percent on bonds on short-term paper, uh, then I have to have a much more compelling story and return opportunity in stocks to take on that risk, right? So, right. so I, so the in answer to your question, yes, there's more attractiveness in short-duration paper than there has been in a long time. Having said that, we still have a bias towards equities. You know, we're growth. We're a growth firm. We certainly uh, invest across the spectrum in terms of sectors and industry groups. um, And we like to find, you know, inexpensive, uncovered opportunities. But, you know, our belief is that owning a portfolio of growth stocks over a long period of time is the way to build wealth. And uh, you get that compounding effect that you just referred to. If you leave that that account, if you leave that Microsoft there and you you don't try to be too tactical and move in and out of it, that will compound over time. You may have a period of time where the stock doesn't do particularly well. 2022 was not a great year uh, for Microsoft, but okay, that's one out of the last 10 Mm -hmm. over time. Stock's gonna compound, you're gonna make a lot of money.
1: Yeah, and so to your um, point is, You know, when these high growth plays and that's what you say that's going to create wealth when you see downturns in the market like we had, you know, like we had recently, what do you suggest for your clients? Do they I mean, do you do anything? Do you buy more or what do you suggest?
0: So little bit of a difference between taxable versus tax advantage. So if you're talking about, you don't have to worry about it because it's in a, in a in a Roth or a, a retirement account where you don't have to worry about uh, capital gains taxes. You can be a little more tactical in trimming around some positions. And yeah, I mean, if you've had huge wins, should you rebalance your portfolio um, a little bit? Absolutely. What I'm suggesting is be careful about, moving in and out wholesale of stocks, right? If you have conviction in a company, and not just necessarily in the stock, but in their business, if you believe in their business, if you like their products, if you think their products will be attractive for long periods of time, own those stocks, own the stocks of those company in size for longer periods of time certainly be willing to trim when you think they've gotten a little ahead of themselves, pull it back a little bit and redeploy that capital to other opportunities. That's a great strategy. Right. Okay. But we're, keep going. Sorry. Yeah. Well, so, but be careful about trying to time the market in terms of moving in and out of entire positions or in and out of entire sectors or in and out of entire of the entire market.
1: Got it. Yeah. I hear you. And so guys, we're here with Terry Gardner, portfolio strategist C.J. Lawrence, how did you get into the business you're in? Were you always in personal finance, like in school or how did you end up doing what you're doing?
0: So it's a little bit of a roundabout start. I mean, I was actually serving in the Marine Corps when I left active service in the early 90s and I got my first job on Wall Street and I got my job first job in a securities research department of of a large investment bank. And I, you know, started to learn about balance sheets and cash flow statements and income statements and putting together models and analyzing companies. And that has led me to on a on a 25 year journey, 25 year plus now journey in analyzing companies and building portfolios in in one way or another. Uh, And towards the end of that journey or towards the latter part of my journey, I joined C.J. Lawrence in 2014 which is a very specialized investment management. We build portfolios from the bottom up, stock by stock, bottom by bond. So that kind of fits my career path in securities analysis and, and investment management.
1: So you love, so you guys are different in the sense you're not just looking at portfolio allocation. You're looking, you go at, you're not just buying indexes. I mean, you're going into individual stocks.
0: Correct. We do a lot of work on the macro. We look at the markets. We've got some proprietary models that we use. We like to know the framework in which we're investing, but we like to do a deeper dive into individual companies and own them in our clients' portfolios for longer periods of time.
1: Yeah, got it. And so, um, so when markets go down, you don't get nervous right away. You're you're looking either like about like I know you said get out of the market, told, but you're looking at potentially as a buying opportunity or um, you know like like one of the biggest things is you know Warren Buffett says you know like you know when people are afraid when everyone's you know afraid buy when everyone's greedy sell kind of thing are you yeah. do you suggest, suggest that to your clients or is that a harder thing to do given what the markets are kind of thing
0: it's hard. It's hard intuitively. Right. It sounds great to us. Right. But then you're sitting there and you watch your portfolio decline by 10, 15 percent. And you're like, "Where, where is this going? Right. And that's right. where you. And so I always say, look, the, the good thing about at least what we do is we fall back on the fundamentals. You know, where do we think the economy is? Where's is it going? Where's inflation? Where are interest rates? What are the valuations on these companies? What have they done historically when they've been in and around these periods? We did some work during the covid meltdown if you remember that march period of 2020 the the, the market was in freefall and we did some work and said look every time the market's down 25% if you bought there right you're up some i don't remember the number off the top of my head but you're up meaningfully off that base the following year and thereafter and we you know put that marker in the sand right so we do our work we fall back on the fundamentals when psychology is getting a little bit Squirrely in the market mm-hmm. and you know, we put our marker in the sand where we think stocks are are interesting and and um and attractively valued
1: okay so then so so going with that notion um mm-hmm. if someone comes to you and they're not invested in the stock market like there's still a decent amount of people that are not invested in the stock market mm-hmm. what would you say to them like 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 you say you know you should be you should be an ETS, like what would be like I don't know. How, how do you look at that when someone's not invested in the market at
0: all? Yeah. So I would say, you know, be invested in the market. And I would pull out a chart that would show the market over time and how the markets performed through all these different crises and, and meltdowns in the past. And if you held on, you know, if you bought the market on the worst day before the financial crisis in 2007, before it really hit in 2008, so you're the worst investor. You bought at the peak. Yep. The next year, the thing just go. You're up like 300 percent today. If you help. Right. So you can look at the different periods of time and say, even if you are absolutely wrong today and you're investing at the peak, shorter term, if you have the benefit of time, you should be invested and you should continue to move into the market um, because it'll pay off over time. Stocks are the best performing asset class over time. You can look at all the data versus stocks, bonds, cash, real estate, et cetera. So, one, get into the market. Two, look, if we think the macro is not particularly favorable, you don't have to dive in. You can wade in. You can dollar cost average. You can work into particular positions. If you are a do-it-yourselfer, okay, you like to build your own, you like to, you know, reglaze your shower by going to Home Depot and getting your own stuff and doing it yourself. Yes. Okay. That's not me. Right. Then that's kind of – stick to the easy stuff right don't get too deep into the stick to indexes and and etfs but if you if you have some money to invest and you don't want to spend all day every day looking at it think about hiring a professional as you would a professional contractor to redo that shower or your house as you would hire a doctor as you would hire a lawyer you know think about hiring a professional so that you can go about your life I tell my clients, go about living your life. Take care of your kids, your career, your families, your homes, and let me worry about your portfolio. And we'll talk about it frequently, but you don't have <laughs> the to time, the experience, or I think the inclination to do this on a full-time basis every day.
1: Yeah, and what do you think about ETFs or indexes, though? Like, what do you – like, What? how do you look at them?
0: Yeah, I, I – I think they're fine. If you're a do-it-yourselfer, they're fine, right? Uh, I think ETFs are uh, a tax-efficient and cost-efficient way to participate in the market versus a lot of index funds, which actually are a little more expensive. Um, So if you're a do-it-yourselfer, I think that's fine. Just bear in mind that you're going to get the bad with the good, right? Most of the stocks will go up. But so you'll own stuff that you would not own specifically if you had the choice, right? If you buy the S&P 500, you're getting a little bit of 500 companies, some of which you may not want to own. The way to outperform markets over time is to avoid the stocks that underperform and have overexposure to the stocks that perform. So that's what I do as a professional. But if you aren't going to hire a professional or you're, you're going to you know, just be broadly invested, then, you know, ETFs, broad ETFs, I think, are, are perfectly... Accepted.
1: Are are, wait, are ETFs tax efficient or do you get tax when they pay tax, do you get taxed on it? How does that work? They,
0: they, they don't pass on capital gains like a mutual fund. So if you own a mutual fund, the mutual fund could be flat for the year, but you may get a bill where you may get allocated um, capital gains from within the fund that on which you have to pay tax, even though you didn't sell the fund, okay, in okay. an ETF. That doesn't happen. Those capital gains are not passed on to the investor. But, so there's a little bit of a benefit there.
1: So would you, I mean, so why, why for mutual funds do you have, what does that happen versus an ETF?
0: Most, most mutual funds are actively managed and people want to pick a manager who they think is going to outperform over time. Got most it. ETFs are passive. So if you just want to own the index, Hey, I don't care. I just want to, I just want the S and P 500 index return over time. I'm going to do it the cheapest way I possibly can. I'll likely find that in, in buying the spider or, or one of the S and P 500 ETFs.
1: Got it. Okay. So the um i guess it's like we have a couple more questions again we're with terry gardner portfolio manager are you on twitter
0: i'm not on twitter um i may go back on twitter do you do you have a lot of your uh, viewers and no. listeners that follow i don't
1: twitter? know it, it's some people have it it's if you have it that i'm you know i want to make sure you know we give it out um but
0: well you can you know all of our content which we put out for free, right? You've, you've seen some of our yep, videos, your
1: video. yep, I saw it.
0: myself and my partner, Bernhard cup, we put out periodic videos about the markets, things that we're seeing. You can go on our website at cjlawrence.com and, and click them and, you know, and we'll tell you what we're thinking at that time. So, you know, I think, I think there's value there. You would have for to sure. tell me.
1: For sure. For sure. Okay. I, um, if you weren't working on like doing something in Wall Street related, what do you think you'd be doing?
0: Uh for work or for pleasure?
1: Um for work.
0: Hmm, that's interesting. Gosh. Or pleasure. I don't know. Either way. Yeah. Well if I was if it was pleasure, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you. I would be at the beach. Um uh, if beach it guy. was uh, another job. I, I love this business as as you probably do because you learn something new every day. Right. So I'd have to find another walk of life where i'm intrigued and uh engaged every day i just think i think the securities business broadly defined whether you're an investor a money manager an investment banker a research analyst portfolio it's every day is something new you open that paper and it keeps your mind going and it's intriguing and you learn about the world and how businesses operate so tough to beat this business in my view
1: yep absolutely and then this is the next one. What, what is your worst or your first job you ever had?
0: Yeah. My first job coming out of college was, uh, I went to officer candidate school and became a Marine. Uh, that was a great job. And then my first, um, private sector job. I mean, I've liked all my private sector jobs. I've spent my career on the street. There's been kind of different moves. I mean, I, if you want to go way back to working in a kitchen, uh, peeling garlic back in high school, I mean that would probably be the worst job' wow. in my, prof- you're in my peeling, you're peeling garlic team. in a kitchen yeah, yeah, yeah that was wow. that was a, I, that that job didn't last very long uh you know working nights in a kitchen um, yep you learn a lot, but anyhow, you go home stinky uh but you know i've i 've been blessed with having had uh, a lot of interesting opportunities all within this securities business, which have all been intriguing and and, and good jobs working for good people.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's uh, and having good clients. Right. I mean, having um, good
0: clients. I'm, I'm fortunate in that regard, you know,
1: because do you spend most of your day doing stock research or is a lot of it spent uh, talking to clients?
0: That's a great question. And because our business model is a little bit unique. Right. So our clients, I'm I'm the relationship manager. Right. Um, my clients, if they have a question whether they need to wire money or have a question about a stock. They call me. Um, and I'm also the portfolio manager I'm doing my research so it's about 50 50 it ebbs and flows I would say most days is focused on the markets and research hopefully the better job I do the fewer questions my clients have so that would tilt the mix towards doing you know more research uh, and and analysis of the market so i would I would tilt that way and'm We do a lot of client services i get out on the road I go see my clients i like to talk to them because i get feedback from the field what's going on in the real economy what's going on on main street what's going on in different parts of the country and the world and it kind of helps me in in thinking through uh you know what's working and what's not working in markets
1: yeah you got you got to talk to people and that's also how you find some of your best picks i mean seeing what people are using and you know i'm a golfer so I like to see how people are using Callaway golf clubs versus, um, you know, the Taylor made or what have you, um, but you know, those are like some indicators, but then there's always other things you got to look at, but that's, uh, you know, being out in the real world versus being behind the computer screen is key. And again, like we said, you can go check out, you know, CJ, Lawrence. Um, you can, you know, I don't know if there's. Uh, I mean, Terry Gardner is there yet. There's great videos on the site. There's great, very helpful, short, not long videos. And they're very easy to see. If you just Google CJ Lawrence, you'll see it. um, And you'll learn at the end of the day, you'll learn. And then if you wanna get in touch, you can reach out and get in touch with, you know, um, any of the representatives or Terry himself, and I'm sure he'll help you. And, you know, this is what this is about. We try to bring you guys content That'll help you make better investment decisions i mean we talked about growth uh through innovation investing through innovation i mean that's a new way to look at things and it wasn't just the microsoft's and Nvidia's. i mean we talked about oracle we talked about rockwell there's other companies that you know maybe not be on people's radar that it's like you're i guess what you kind of do is you you know set it and forget it like buy it and stay in the game like you mentioned if you bought at the high and you know, the 87 crash and you hold on, you're up 300% or what have you, you know? So mm-hmm. that's the hard part. Like I, you know, like I, I, you know, people don't want to see there, but if you look at over the last 30 years, isn't it like 10% a year of the market without yep. like missing a beat? 11%,
0: 11 plus percent compounded return for the S&P 500 since, you know, if you took that all the way back to 1928, if you incorporate all, it's still, you know, an attractive wealth creation number.
1: Got it. I mean, that's, I mean, it's, yeah. And it's hard. It's hard in the real, like the day to age, you're like, Oh, is this time different? Is this time different? Cause like, you know, I have some money in the market I have some money in T bills and you're like, okay, you get 5%. But if you look at 20 years, no matter what, the market has gone up, you know? And why is that just because new money's created and people are buying, I mean, I guess that's what it is over time. Like new money's created and that money needs to go somewhere. And, It's, you know, the market has always been that first choice of the average person, I assume. I
0: think that's right. And I think, you know, the market is a collection of companies that innovate or die, right? So when you invest, those are the companies that are surviving for the most part. There's some, you can tell, you you can do your work and figure out which ones are on their way out. But over time, those companies leave the markets. They go bankrupt. They drop to a different marketplace over the counter, whatever. So,
1: But that's true, innovate or die. I mean, that's what you're that's like and jeff bezos from amazon has been saying that forever he takes a day one approach and that's why he had so many different products yes he started with books but it was innovate or die that you know like innovate or or die and when you know and he like he like i don't know what book you read i remember reading about this he he studied the companies in the dow many years ago and he looked at okay out of the 30 that were there 30 years ago five of them are left or something and so his strategy is if you keep doing the same thing you're going to die you know So. Right. Diversification. And that's why you're a fan of Amazon.
0: That's why we're a fan of Amazon and the companies like it that invest a lot back into research and development to continue to innovate and continue to extend their lead. And he lives it. He lives it. Right. He doesn't just talk about it. He lives it. And that's what he does.
1: He does. I mean, what you just said earlier in the call, you ordered from it, you know, this morning and the package is there from golf clubs to diapers to toilet paper to, I mean, it's absolutely incredible what they can deliver in the same day and what does it do to retail? I mean, that's a whole nother, you know, local retail, it's a whole nother question. So mm-hmm. um, that'll be for another time. So I appreciate we'll be- you. I, I appreciate Terry. Any last words you want to say to the audience on the, the Raz report, Terry?
0: No, I mean, look, the market does feel a little heavy here, right? Don't don't let it spook you. Um, the market could trade off a little bit. It seems like valuations have extended themselves a little. That's okay. But if you have money on the side that you want to start putting in, putting it in a little at a time is a great way to get engaged with your highest conviction ideas and then, you know, see if you get another opportunity later on in the year. All right. And where are you based out of? We're based out of Midtown Manhattan. Oh, uh, wonderful! We're on Avenue of the Americas at 54th Street. And if anybody would like to come and visit us, our our address is on our website. Yeah, we have a
1: fintech deal day. It's not necessarily financial advisors, but we have a fintech deal day sometime in November in mid in uh, midtown Manhattan. I've um, I i do not know fintech deal dates. I think the, one of those convened things. Maybe you could stop yeah. by and talk to the audience in person. We have about 600 people attending, so should be Love cool. FinTech deal. Day. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on the Raz Report and uh, that'll be it for Terry Thanks Gardner. for having
0: me, Jason. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Great to be with you today.
1: Thank you. Thank you.